Okay, we're ready to go. So, uh, beginning of the episode, the guests get to dedicate it. So, uh, Jennifer and Justin, what would you like to dedicate the episode to? I mean, I feel like we kind of have to dedicate it to the community of Knife River. I was just thinking that. Nice. I like that. Yeah. We'll definitely talk more about that. All right. Yeah. back with uh, Jennifer and Justin and um, how did you say last name? Eyed. Eyed? Yep. Eyed. I'm sorry. I've always no, seen it no. in print and we've been... Co- no, it's okay. It's, it's the one question I didn't ask you before we started. <laughs> <laughs> so it is just Eyed. Eyed. What is it from? Do you know? I believe it's German and it mm. comes from uh, Die lot. Okay. Which is not very German sounding. Which is not very German. No. I may, I may have that. In That's why I ask. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, the history is unclear for me. We're, we're trying to figure out where my family came from. And there's a <laughs> history of de-idolots as Spanish horse thieves. Uh, okay. But, right? <laughs> but the last name is definitely not Spanish. Yeah. Okay. Um, but think like Eyed Mill Road. All right. In St. Paul. Yep. I was named after my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Okay. His name is Justin, too. Right? Um, uh, Kenneth. Kenneth. Okay. Kenneth. Yeah. All right. So, you guys, how did you guys meet? Uh, we worked together. I ended up being his manager, but much younger than right. him. It was all very scandalous when we started dating. Um, Tabloids, right? I know. They're all... Can't get away from them. Yep. <laughs> met, at, met at Willow Creek. Mm-hmm. where I was working as projectionist and she was on the floor and eventually became my boss. Right, yeah. And, and she still is, right? I mean, <laughs> that's debatable, right? Yeah, we, we, we work together. On, we work on, on together. Yeah. 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 Okay, and, and you guys are going to bet together and you do uh, a variety of topics together, right? Variety of film topics or this this first, this one, this Knife River documentary, the first one you're working on together? Um, it's not the first one we're working on. Um, but it's the first but it's the f- major project but we've it's, done yes. together, I think. Okay. A lot of the projects we've worked on, it's um, more or less been Jen as a supervising producer. Like or every, whatever I, else needs Yeah, work. whatever I make, it was it would always go through Jen's hands first <laughs> before right. there was a final edit or, or a final screenplay uh, of any sort. Okay. Um, that would also mean like... Working as a boom operator or doing hair and makeup or costuming or whatever kind of the the need was. So multiple multiple mm-hmm. things inside of a. Pro- yeah. So um, what was do you remember what the first project you guys did together? Uh, that would have been Enola. That right? was Enola. That was the first feature I made, which we started in 2006 and uh, finished it in 2008. Um. So that that was a feature, and Jen was doing music <laughs> yeah. then for it. Yep. Uh, there was some screenplay editing a little bit. Okay. Um, but she primarily worked on the music. And I think I made some fake blood for you. I think that was my 
my other major role. You did make fake blood. <laughs> yes, you did. Yep. There's a variety of recipes to make. Yeah. yeah I think I went with the classic corn syrup and right. um, and food coloring. And maybe because we needed... We needed bits of brain, and I can't remember. I think I used some a little bit of like gelatin in there too. Just you to make. did, yes. And what we had to do because it was a the the movie is about a a kid who was in a car accident with his mother, and his mother dies. So we okay. the opening of the movie was this sort of graphic interior of a car, and just seeing post crash, post crash, mm-hmm. seeing the kind of backlit um, bits of blood and everything. Well, how did you? Uh, when you made the movie, how did you did you intentionally just take a sledgehammer to the car, or did you really wreck a car, or did you find did you find one? We 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 didn't. Um, there was big dreams to go that route and be able to get right, a car yeah. and destroy it and, and show it in a ditch. But at the end of the day, it was uh, just. I think it was shot inside of a garage. It was shot inside my <laughs> parents' garage, and we just lit it and such that it was sort of a early morning ish vibe. Okay. All right. And then how many projects have you guys done together? Oh, golly. How many projects have you done? (laughs) (laughs) That's really hard to say. I should have maybe done my own research of my own past before coming on. Uh, 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 Let me me count. Just off to the side while you talk. Yeah. Nicotine. Man of the booth. I guess Grandpa Ben. Grandpa Ben, yeah, that was our. And then there's a handful of other projects I've done for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, where Jen has input on, and mm-hmm. um, other short projects. Even back to my Willow Creek days when I was the social media curator there. Um, any video I made went through Jen. Okay. Before okay. I posted it. <laughs> so you guys done um, fictional movies yeah. as well as documentaries as well yeah. yes okay so you've done a lot of you just haven't stick to one thing you've filmed a lot of death or other, other things yeah yeah um the last feature i did was called nicotine that was 2013 Jeez, now holy crap which you did some more blood work <laughs> for that movie well, as you're really well. good, right, yeah. real. it's just it's the morbid inside yeah. of me costumes and you know editing advice and mm. Um, yeah. No, that one we did actually get to wreck a car. That one we did. Oh, you really get, yeah. you got the opportunity. Okay. Yes. Which was good. Yeah, it comes later in the movie, but it was uh, we needed a windshield to be busted out with a shovel, and there's no other way to do it. So we we had to find a car. <laughs> and, that was dumb. Um, <laughs> yeah. It probably took more time to find the car than actually bust a window. My my. Uh, Yes and no. It, it took some time to find the actual car, but my my right, my dad's yeah. an auto broker and he's been in the car business for forty some years. So we went through junk lots looking for the perfect car that we could easily tow okay. to our location. Um, but the the we we got that one that take on multiple cameras everything else was one camera but that was multiple cameras and when we finally busted that windshield i felt so much better about the entire movie happening because this <laughs> whole time it takes place towards the end of the movie and the whole right, time yeah. it's leading up to this little moment 
Um, and it really felt good when it happened. <laughs> I remember the the actor who was doing the destructive bits, like smashing out one of the windows, like the driver's side window. And he, when he did it, like afterwards, he was like, it just felt like hitting a home run. And, <laughs> like, uh, I identify with that. Yeah. Yeah. So what motivates, what motivates you to kind of do documentaries? Obviously making short films and fictional is kind of, what's the other, th- what's the interest, what inspires you to do documentaries? I think, I feel like documentary came to me by total accident. Yeah. I really wasn't aware of making a documentary, I guess, okay. when I was doing it. The, the very first recollection of, producing a documentary was right before the U.S. went to war in Iraq. And I was in high school, so this is 2003. So there was a, a protest outside uh, Hopkins High School, opposing sides. And I thought this would be a great kind of television piece for our uh, K-Hop, the okay. school's yeah. television. So I made a three-minute sort of proof-of-concept piece, sort of trailer, um, and I thought, all right, maybe in a couple months I'll work on this a little bit more. But then two weeks later, we were in Iraq, <laughs> and I was completely unmotivated to put myself in that anymore. You still find that you still have the footage, though. I think it's on a mini DV somewhere. <laughs> somewhere, right? Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, um, but I mean, that project was good for you and. Other ways, he got a student Emmy for it. Oh, really? Oh, so, nice. Yeah. 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 My um, our uh, my television instructor Gene Zimmerman said, "I'm going to submit it to the um, the Emmys." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You are. Yeah, I mean, okay. Sure. Sure. You are. And then four months later, she, I was up in our art class, and she comes in. Justin, you won an Emmy. Oh my gosh. No idea really what that meant at the time. Two thousand. Three. I didn't watch the Emmys. <laughs> wasn't really familiar with Emmys yeah, that much. That, right? Yeah. But yeah, that was that was that was cool. And then um, didn't really think about documentary for another nine years when mm-hmm. I made a short doc about the end of thirty-five millimeter projection at Willow Creek. But again being so naive to documentary. I didn't know it was a documentary while I was making it. It was just an interesting little piece or package that I could post on the Willow Creek Facebook page. Right, you wanted to make sure everybody knew the transition and yeah, how it worked. Yeah, right? yeah. Just, to, just to show behind the scenes too because uh, the projectionist Dave Hillskin was, has been in the business since the 60s and this was his life um, running film. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to really highlight Dave and kind of the end of that era so when did that when did that happen? When the whole transition happened? That was March two thousand twelve. Yeah, okay. When that started, we were definitely resistant to the idea of digital projection going in because not only was I a projectionist, David projectionist, my brother Corey was a projectionist too. And we were the, the three projectionists kind of keeping Willow Creek going and it was sort of our, our life doing that. Um so it was a it was a huge struggle uh, to I don't know <laughs> know that this thing was going to come to an end. Right. I don't think. Well, now it's a kind of a 
very rare that people use projections. There are some theaters that mm-hmm. still use it. Um, do they use it at the Walker? I know you work. We do, the yeah, yeah. I uh, I project a lot of sixteen millimeter and thirty five millimeter, and at Willow Creek too, they do seventy millimeter exclusives. So they had right, yeah, IMAX, uh, Wonder Woman. And yeah, not IMAX. Uh, it's a little bit down from that. It's more traditional seventy millimeter. Okay. Uh, so it's still your standard size screen. Um, but, but it's just not the, it's the same camera. It's not the it's the same camera. So they're just shooting on IMAX cameras but cropping it for the ah, kind of okay. scope aspect ratio that you would get. Okay. What which, which do you are comfortable shooting in? Do you like thir- do you use 35 or 16? Which one are you more comfortable doing? That was a big thing we started doing with Knife River. Okay. Up until Knife River, the last time I shot on 16 millimeter was at uh, Boston University for a summer film camp in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> but loving the medium and yeah. kind of working with it at the Walker, I really uh, appreciated how it looked. Okay. Um, so that is why we we definitely explored we explored and are exploring that still with Knife River. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I think the first aside from Knife River, Grandpa Ben would have been the biggest foray into actually shooting on film for us. Yeah. Yeah, so Grandpa Ben was the documentary we made that premiered a year ago at M. Spiff. And it was sort of made kind of the early days of production on Knife River. Mm -hmm. And Knife River, we always had this idea that we were going to mix mediums, Super 8, 16 millimeter and digital. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so with Grandpa Ben, we really wanted something quick that we could shoot and edit and make sure that blend of the mediums worked well together. Yeah. And, um, well, everyone seemed to like it, so yes, it does work. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good cue, right? right. It didn't bother anybody. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so right now you're in the process of making Knife River. And you are having this Kickstarter campaign, and with everybody, it's in the, the information, the metadata, if they want to contribute to the Kickstarter campaign. Um, right now, it's ongoing, right? It's still going? Yeah. yeah. We've, got, um, we've got a week left in the Kickstarter at the moment, but the uh, ongoing filming of the documentary is for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Um, we started it about two years ago okay. and definitely kind of didn't, uh, I don't think expected it to go this long or be this far in the process, you know, like we'd right. expect to be almost wrapped at this point, but, um, it kind of grew into something more than we initially thought it would be. Yeah. And that's definitely me yet again, being <laughs> naive about right, right, documentary right, yeah. and, and not knowing how long it's actually going to take. You know, we had these big plans of, oh, it's going to take maybe 14 months. Um, and well, and when we started out, I think our initial idea was kind of like, a look at a year in the community and you know two three years on that's a little stretched i guess i, I can understand that yeah and especially with documentaries you can't there's no rehearsal you just got to shoot what you get right mm-hmm. yeah kind of yeah, like, a little yeah. bit like that that's, i mean that has definitely been the struggle with i mean i know in general it's a struggle with documentary but for us we're we live in minneapolis uh, this is night forever is just up past duluth 
So trying to find time off in Minneapolis. With people that don't live in Minnesota, they it's like a three hour drive, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. yep, three, three hour drive. Three and a half, depending on traffic. Yeah, if you, snow. St- if you stop at Toby's for some donuts, yeah. <laughs> three, three and a half. <laughs> every, yeah. every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely it's definitely been complicated to get the time off that we need to make the documentary, yes. but then also to ensure that all right, our our schedule does that align with the schedule of the residents in town? Okay. And what can we get scheduled? And oh, this person that we wanted to talk to and took a week off to talk to randomly, they're going on vacation, so we can't even, you know what I mean? Like, right? Just, is it because it's a documentary? You can't. You got to bend to them, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. can't. You can't really have them bend to you. And it's the setting is up there. You can't bring it to yourself. So Correct. It's, it's a constantly adjusting and adapting and working everything out. It's a very adaptive process. I think there's been a lot of learning experience of kind of just like, I guess we're going to go with the flow and just kind of see where this uh, project takes us. That's, more but than, that's kind of the whole uh, fulcrum is. or the whole basis of a documentary. Right. It's, it's going to take you somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the, the genesis of the movie came 13 years ago. And then two years ago, I decided all right, we're going to jump into this, not quite knowing what we were getting ourselves into or having really any idea of what the movie was going to be, just knowing yeah. I want to make a documentary about this this community I love so much in northern Minnesota. Well, and I think, too, when you have something kind of stewing for so long in the back of your mind, like oh, you yeah. think yeah. about it and you think about it and you have all of these ideas about where it can go and what you need to be or what you, quote unquote, should be doing. And I think just kind of jumping in is um, a much better process because you let it tell its own story instead of trying to force it to tell a story to you. Yeah. It's almost like the story it, it will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. You're almost in the, you're almost right. It's, it's driving and you're just a passenger. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Man, yeah. Uh, I could totally read because I did my comic book and yeah. you want to, it's a nice, when you get started with something, you want to start small, start stories, short films, just right. understand. And here I had a story that's been in my brain that needed to get out and I'm doing a huge full length book. Yeah, that's not what you want to do when you start out, right? No. You you want to start out small, but I go, it's in there. It needs to get out. Yeah, I'll ra- I'll take the I just. I'm tired of it's. It's. Yeah, I want to get it out. I want to get birth yes. to it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. no, and it's almost like more harmful to yourself as an artist to keep it in there. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, for for us too, we had to make sure that like we were stable in our lives and our jobs <laughs> in order to commit to... I mean, right. stable is relative, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're okay stable. I mean, <laughs> yeah. a little wobbly. Right, it was, especially oh, in any partnership. You want to have stability in any partnership when you're working together because yeah. you can't have friction because it's just going to... The project that you're working on is not going to work very well. You want to be on the same page and same balance and everything. Yeah. 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 Especially, with, especially with something like a really passionate there are going to be tensions that flare up and you know because you're really passionate about getting something done so you have to understand those right yeah Yeah. definitely and i think too like being in a relationship outside of that it you know i think there could be many kind of bumps in the road for a lot of couples trying to undertake a a big project but i don't know i think we're okay yeah no this definitely came at at the right time where we're definitely uh open to seeing where the story is going to go and i don't know if i would have i would have like 
mentally been in that place (laughs) five years ago to be open and receptive to a story. Yeah. Instead of, I probably would try to force it and the movie would have been garbage and everyone would have hated me and I would have never gone back up to Duluth. Yeah, no. So I got to ask you, what, why, why Knife River? Obviously, there's some personal connection to you, but if you want to explain why the whole, why that location is important to you, yeah, the it. There are many aspects. There are many aspects <laughs> of it to a, it. There's a lot of branches it. to this tree. Okay, yeah. but <laughs> for sure, I, I I think I whittled it down to explain it. Um, I've been going up to Duluth since I was six months old. Yeah, mom has that in my baby book. Six months old, first trip to Duluth, July uh, yeah. 1985. My aunt used to own a resort in um, just a mile south of Knife River called okay. Dodges Log Lodges from the 80s through the 90s. So I had been going up there for a very long time and just loving the the differences between city life and kind of northern living. It's kind of like your second home, right? It's definitely, yeah. We, it's definitely our, our home away from home. And I think over the years when, because my, my folks have had a cabin on, on the shore of Lake Superior for a little over 20 years now. Okay. And they've been very generous with letting us use the cabin if we want to over the years. So the more we were going up there and then going into Two Harbors, which is 10 minutes north of Knife River, we were driving through Knife River, and if you don't stop and look or stop and I mean it's a community you know it's it's small enough that if you're not paying attention like if you're looking at your phone as you're driving like and you'll miss it you'll miss it don't completely. do that kids. don't no don't look at your phone while you're driving as a passenger in the car while someone else yeah. is driving uh you will miss it <laughs> um but um so that had been happening over the years and, and sort of the, the 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 spark for the story came from I was scouting out locations with a friend for his first feature. Okay. And this was 2006. Um, we were also there with my cousin who lives up in Duluth. He was bring us, bringing us to different locations. And we had stopped. My cousin wanted some, some fish for a snack. We had been driving all morning. So we stopped into this uh, fish joint called Mills Fish. And we walked in, and it had... It was not Mel's Fish anymore. It had changed over into a chocolate shop. <laughs> um, I, I, I hadn't been there in so long that when we parked, I didn't notice that the building had changed. Right. Um, you just so went through the routine. We went through the routine of parking and walking, out, and walking in. And, and the large display case that normally housed all the fish just now is... Full, full of chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> and there was just something about that transition that I thought was interesting. I don't know if normal people would find that interesting, but like was, the, you know, there's a story there, right? Or something went, something's something's gone, right? That yeah. you thought it was always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and they do still sell little chocolate fish. Oh, get out of here! Really? Yeah, yeah. they do. Oh, they have little, little Mel's little fish. Mel's fish. All right, we're gonna stop, fish, and is... I'm gonna drive. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're gonna stop recording uh, on that. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> which is so cute. Yeah. Um, so that, it, it, what do you explain it? That almost is almost like the catalyst for your documentary, just that whole experience. Yeah, okay. that that was um, definitely the beginning, and throughout the years, 
sort of think about it, but I never thought of myself, when growing up, knowing I wanted to make films, I never thought of myself as a documentary filmmaker or even of that sort. It was I always- I mean, when we first met, you were like solely focused on narrative. Yeah, it's focused on narrative. And I think, I think that's why I've said now four times that I'm so naive to documentary because every time it comes along, it's this new sort of awakening for me. Well, uh, I know when um, the famous director, Billy Freakin, and before he was famous, he was doing documentaries, and he never considered himself a documentary. He just considered, "I'm recording an event. I'm not. I don't. Yes. I don't think I'm presenting a story. I'm just recording an event. See transitions. See how people behave." And he almost considered himself like a machine, just documenting what's in for, not, not not so much a documentary. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a lot of documentary filmmakers uh, resist the idea that they are quote unquote documentary filmmakers because. I think for most people, yes, they are. But for them, they're just, like you said, they're just shooting this event. They're recording this event for others to see, and they're not really applying a, um, a term to that. Yeah, and well, eventually he spilled out when he did commercial films like he did French Connection. It looks almost like a documentary. Right. Yeah, that's and, why it, it feels so raw and rough because of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, it, I mean, there's something about it, I think, it, it spills over when you do documentaries that you almost... You don't. You like the refreshness to it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't sit there and rehearse, or you know, yes. like, there's something like this is this is it. I captured it, and that's what we have to use. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something just really, not just raw, but like really fresh about that too, because you don't. You know, you can't really sit there and be like, "Okay, I liked what you what you said in this interview, but um, yeah. rephrase it like this next time." Yeah. You know? I don't think we're all naive to that's what happens in reality television. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. You didn't like that house? Try it again. Yeah, you know, something like that. You, I I think Knife River Two came to me at the right time because I was prior to Knife River and prior to Nicotine in 2013, I had started writing a screenplay <laughs> called. Tess in probably 2009, um, and it's about sisters over the weekend with their family. Oh, it's, Tess, the na- I thought you said T-E-S-T. Oh, no, no, oh, Tess, My sorry. education brain going, okay, <laughs> T- the name Tess, okay, yeah. T-E-S-S. Name, named, after the, named after the main character in the movie, right. so we were working sure. on that. Yeah. I started working on it first, but I am a man <laughs> writing a story about three women and I think at some point it just clicked in me, or it, I decided this is not going to work. I can't, I can't do this uh, alone, really. Uh, so I asked Jen to look at it, and we were both kind of working on this screenplay. I kept getting stuck. It, it never really formed the way I thought it was going to. In my head, it's all there. I know oh, yeah. exactly how it's going to look. Oh yeah. Uh, beginning, uh, middle, and end, but it's just finding that connective tissue and making the characters come to life. So we were working on that for a number of years. Yeah. And I think the idea of Knife River coming along um, was... It's kind of refreshing because you're, yeah. you're not working with a script. You're no, not, you're not yeah. working with a script, and I'm also not going to be in control. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so I, I wanted to... There's really nice about like, surrendering yeah. to, a, to that project. <laughs> yeah. you know? It sounds frightening to some people, but some, yeah, it sounds refreshing. Yeah. 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 Um, so just... Um, yeah, surrendering to that and seeing what comes to us through that or how the story forms. I feel like eventually we'll get back oh, to yeah. Tess. Oh, but yeah. for now, I want to explore things that I am not in control of. Wait, uh, and part of the documentary, are you interviewing people? 
Yeah, yeah, okay. we have been. And from the beginning, pretty much, we've done um, like interviews with the uh, family that owns the now chocolate shop. Okay. And um, we've talked with a few kind of more unique slash not prominent figures in the community, but um, like there's only one uh, commercial fisherman who has the legal rights to fish in that area and sell the fish. So chatting with him and um, like his crazy life outside of fishing yeah. Yeah. you know so did you kind of did you like interviewing you kind of I mean, i'm doing it to you guys yeah, but, yeah. You're, but you do you kind of it's been adjustment for me at least because i have that very i think human tendency to want to interact as i'm uh right, interviewing yeah. and it's so there's a lot of sound bites that are like <laughs> me going oh yeah cool yeah, it, it's, def- huh? it's definitely a struggle to not react and yeah. i know errol morris does it so well where he just sits his subjects down lets them talk doesn't respond and throughout that they start talking more well and isn't right, that yeah. like that's an in- interrogation technique too technically oh, yeah, in, totally. in police work is like just don't respond to somebody and they're gonna try and fill that silence so mm-hmm. i guess there you go well it's sometimes <laughs> it's all, i could catch myself because i've done a bunch of interviews and we had a nice actress on here and she's talking about supporting women advocacy and I was like I could I, w- I almost said it I could totally relate and I was like nope I can't nope that was not I caught myself nope that, that's not the, what I wanted to su- I'm support you on that, but that's not oh the right phrase to say. right yeah <laughs> so yeah I think sometimes when you do interviews you have to catch yourself for a reaction yeah especially because you don't want to seem to, to stray them off or lead them somewhere you just want to get their information out so it's kind of a it's a talent it's a skill that you have to continue practicing yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. I will continue to practice that. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're capturing a lot of interviews. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, we're two years in, but I'll still say early on in the documentary, we're not quite sure of the structure. And I think it's only becoming a little more clear now how the movie's actually going to piece, be pieced together. Um, that sounds like you're probably thinking of an, how you want to edit it. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's going to be as it's going to be a mosaic of just these people existing in their community and just all the busy work that they do. It's going to be partially about the history, maybe partially about their own unique experiences. Yeah. Um, but there's all these sort of different ideas of how we could uh, approach making the movie. In my mind, this thing could be six hours long and it would be really exciting. We'll just turn it into a mini series. Well, we'll, yeah. Right. Yeah. Here you go, HBO. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, that's again, we'll have to see how all the footage speaks to us when we start getting to that point of cutting it. Yeah. All right. We got to take a little break. Uh, we're going to put the ads up here and then we'll back with more Justin and Jennifer. Let's check our cue, baby. with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Ban out, ban out, ban out, ban out. Ban out, ban out, ban out, ban out. 
Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-life splat holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy With your friend Stephen At eilfm.podbean.com All right, we're back. Um, when you're writing, do you do you have a space to when you write, or could you just write anywhere? I mean, for me, could it you like depends. be out in the park in the bench yeah. and write out? I often will leave the house to write just because it gets like out of that. You know, like I'm in my comfort zone with cats crawling on me, and right, yeah, I'm not going to focus on it. So I tend to not. I tend to do my best writing not at home. I guess. Are you a little different? Are you like the same? Can you write anywhere? I no. <laughs> uh, the the bulk of the f- yeah. like first few screenplays I wrote, yeah. uh, I did at Willow Creek up in the projection booth at our, our film bench, my laptop. It was just the the um, kind of the clatter of the film projectors. There's just this hum. That white noise. That, yeah, that white noise that I um, love so much. Um, Oh, now I'm aware that I'm saying um. Dialogue conversation. But you need you need like a, a environment. You can do it pretty much anywhere. Like I need to be down here in my studio. I can't oh. do it anywhere else. And I need to like lock the door. Right. I need to. Be- I think these days, and it has been the last few years. The the North Shore. Yeah. Has been where I can write the best. I I feel like the the water <laughs> definitely affects me. The the waves. Just the quietness, uh, the atmosphere. Um, I am definitely not a city person. Even though you live in there? Even though I live in the city. (laughs) That's my doing. Sorry. (laughs) Do you do do outlines or no? Uh, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. I don't know. You, not so much. I think, well, for, for Nicotine and Tess, I did have note cards. Okay. I don't know why I started using note cards. I was probably reading a film book. I'm like, cool, note cards. I'm going to do that. And started doing outlines on on that. And just each note card was its different scene. You could spread it out on a table and kind of rearrange and move it however you needed to. Um, It's now been so long since I even wrote anything. Or started a new screenplay. Started a new thing. So I'll let you know in a few years what my process is like. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think usually when you start a screenplay, do you have an ending in mind, or do you like working up to it? I I have a beginning and I have an ending. Okay. Um, I think for some people, knowing that ending is a little bit more of a challenge because you may not organically let the story unfold. Right. So you're trying to force it yes. and mold it into this thing that's going to end in a particular way. Well, for me, I had a vague ending. Kind of know what I want to do. I didn't have any details, and I think writing up to it, I figured eventually figure out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. For 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 Tess, I think 
I may have known exactly what the first 20 pages uh, were and the last, whatever the last 10 minutes would translate into page length. I think I had that. It was just sort of the meat in the middle where I couldn't quite figure it out. Or I knew particular things that were going to happen, but just making sure that it was very logical <laughs> in the way it was going to happen. Yeah. Do you, when you write, when you write, do you think musically also? Like a tone, like a sound? Because he said like the sound waves kind of get you some, so do you uh, think musically? Yeah, I guess. I, I, you do a lot of background music. I do a lot of background music. I really like sort of um, almost this uh, underscore sort of thing. So Harold Budd and Brian Eno you like sort it, of yeah. thing. So it's very tonal and... Ambient. Yeah. 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 Do you do the same, Jen? I it depends on what I'm working on Um, like sometimes and sometimes I just need quiet and um, which is funny because I usually in my like day-to-day life I usually always have something going on in the background whether it's a podcast or music or whatever but sometimes for writing it's just one of those like white noise yeah Quiet is usually my go-to. Oh, I love I, I It's after ten p.m. that I love writing. Yeah, it's, I, that's, nobody from, else is up. You no, know what I mean? Right. I mean, once in a while you hear, but it's mm-hmm. and especially I love that, especially for my story. A lot of things take place at night, so I like to write it at night. I knew everything at major events is going to be at noir, so I like to write it at the time where usually the events were transpiring. I don't know, maybe if I write something during the day, I'll start at noon, but. Right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. So I, I like, cause you guys have done all f- different aspects of film. You've done, you know, the lightings and the, you know, camera work and stuff. When you watch other films, what's the first thing that really pops out at you? Is, the, is it the writing, the filming, the direction? Mm-hmm. I think for me, a lot of times it's just the production design itself. Um, and I don't know, we just late to the game saw the favorite. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a a Justin Schumacher under Justin P. Schumacher. Oh yeah. And he was just raving about it. And we just recently saw it. Well, and it's one of those, like, you can't 1000% pinpoint exactly what it is, but you know, like just from an opening shot, like you know the feeling of the film already. Yeah, I was to explain to him, it just feels full. Yeah. Everything is just full. Yes. (laughs) That that is definitely a... um, Even when it's just like barren, it's still full. Yeah. (laughs) And and how to achieve that, I think there's just so much that goes into it, but that's usually my like first kind of, what is that feeling that you get that first impression from that? So when did you guys watch it? Um, did you see it in the theater? Yeah, we it's it was still playing at Lagoon Lagoon a f- few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago at least. So is that one of your the, the, from last year? Is one of your I have to I don't want to say it. Is that one of your favorites? Is the, oh, favorites from last year? Is that one of your favorites from last year? Well, for me, yes, I would okay. say. I don't know. I'm trying to. I have issues with time. Like, <laughs> what came out when? <laughs> <laughs> what actually came out last year, right, not yeah. the year before? <laughs> I have to, well, I have to keep notes in my phone. Like I've seen this movie because I would eventually yeah. I'm going to do the end of the year my favorite movies. But I have to write in what I seen that came out this year because yeah. I still see old classics. I still see things from five years ago. So I have to catch myself. Oh yeah, 
that was not made this year. I have to write it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I started. I start at the beginning of the year trying to keep lists like that and they usually yeah. fall up by the wayside. <laughs> I, I can't for the last three or four years. I can't name favorites. Anymore. <laughs> it's just it's it's way too hard. I don't see as much stuff as I should be. Yeah. I don't know why. I think a lot of people can relate to that where they're I mean, when I started working at Willow Creek, I saw everything that came out. Yeah, when you and worked then, in the movie theater. Yeah, and, and that's an automatic because you have to sit and make sure everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, no, people ask me, what was your, what did you think of the Oscars? Like, I have no opinion. I saw 20% of the movies that the Oscars nominated. Yeah. So it's really difficult for me to make a judgment call. and Or if I do have a list of favorite movies, I've probably only seen those movies of 2018. <laughs> Those were the only ones you saw. <laughs> so, of course, they were your favorite. Um, yeah, no, we both saw Roma um, in theaters, too. Oh, you saw 70. it in theaters because I just saw it on Netflix. Oh, yeah, Roma. we saw right. it on 70, and that was an experience. That I was, was really I cool. was not prepared for the emotion uh, that came from that movie. It's surprising how much, and it's not very many, I don't think there's at all close ups. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has any close ups. No, no, no. I mean, very, for how emotional the film. Few, yeah. There's he, some kind of a little bit of a distance when you watch it. Almost documentary. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, I think he intended to do, I mean, obviously he intended to do that, but it was more of a, this is his memory. His memory, he, his memories aren't too clear. So he wanted to step back a little bit and just kind of so see the. Of course, there's the that at, distance yeah. then. That makes sense. I'm trying to think of, like, dear Lord, what did we actually see last <laughs> year? But I did like <laughs> Roma's ending. Yeah. And people like it that just trail off. No, there was a, they remember the plane flying yeah. over. And I think that's very metaphor of there's a transition, but there's almost like a, I want to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, yeah. it's definitely that ending shows you too that, well, this story is going to continue, but this is where we're choosing to end this. Right yeah. Now. Like this is where we're stepping out. I think that's one of the things that I, I really enjoy in a lot of films is not having a, you know very distinct end point i think um not just narrative but like you know the the classic uh storyline with a climax and then an ending it it's very final and i don't think it invites a lot of uh, afterthought to it if you will like if you just kind of wrap everything up in a tidy bow it's like okay but how can we interact with that now that the movie's done? And you don't always get that um, from a lot of movies these days. So yeah. you know, I think ending is one of the toughest things you could do. Yeah, because you could go on. You know, that's always the hardest part for me to write. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I love Kurt Vonnegut. I mentioned him before. Yeah, he's just he's just one of those. Well, it's time to stop. <laughs> he doesn't really right. think of an ending. Is just like and it's, I'm done. Uh, Next next story, so which like somebody else would always like Stephen King thinks of an ending, and then that's a different school, right? Yeah. And I do like I like endings. I like boom, that's it, and like what happened, or something that kind of is almost a drift. Yeah. Kind of lets you off easy. Yeah. There's many different aspects of yeah, yeah. So really, what, why films? What do you, if you can remember? Why do you like films so much? <laughs> I'll let you answer this because you yeah. have a very good answer. <laughs> it's also a really silly answer. And it's, you know, when I tell people the, the movies that inspired me to become a filmmaker, yeah, it's sort of this confusion and laughter, but it's the truth. It was Top Gun. 
and Disney's Robin Hood. The animated. The animated. Oh, the Fox one. Yeah. yeah. The little Fox one. Those are the two movies that I remember seeing early on and outside of whatever the, the stories were, deciding, oh, I like this. I like this medium. I want to explore this and um, do this myself. So in the early days, I was I was definitely doing a lot of my own movies in the basement with my mom's Christmas decorations. As well, characters. those two movies have a lot of action involved. There's a lot of intensity. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Even when it's quiet, I mean, even in Robin Hood, even when it's quiet, there's a lot of tension going on. And then a lot of Top Gun, which we would consider like filler. There's a lot of intense action, like mm-hmm. the motorcycle chasing the jet and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there, you could probably see a little bit of similarities to it. Also, sound is a big deal in Top Gun. I don't think people appreciate how much sound is a big deal in it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the sound. And also the, the fact, too, that they used miniatures, which I know you know, directors like Christopher Nolan are still using these days where normal people would use CGI, but back then using these large scale miniatures. Yeah. Um, it's something you've always been interested in. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a big surprise that the dump truck was a toy dump truck in the dark night? It wasn't a real dump truck that they, right. <laughs> right. it was a toy dump truck about this two feet high. Yeah. Ah, I love learning that stuff. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, like, it's not practical effect. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. Right, but you know. it is. It's not. But, like, what well, J.J. Abrams loves to do trickery. I think he did it in Star Trek mm-hmm. where James Kirk is running in, in the snow and he's running into yep. the cave. It's not It's not uh, Chris Price. It's a little boy to make it look the large scale. So oh, if you watch it, yeah, and he, he goes, kids run awkwardly. I wanted a little bit of struggle with running that adults don't have. So if you watch it now, I go, that totally is a little kid, but it works. It yeah, works. yeah, yeah. Same with Alien too. Yeah, uh, they were using little kids in the um... words. Totally just forgot what I was going to oh. say, but they used little kids for that effect too because yeah. they only had so much space to build their set and they needed to give it the height and kind of the. Right. Um, you just sparked my because it's in the Close Encounters of the Third Kind that it's all, the aliens are kids oh, yeah. and they didn't have oh, enough they didn't have yeah. enough they didn't have enough makeup so they just blurred it out. That's right. <laughs> just standing kids, but they didn't have enough you know to make them look aliens. Yeah, and they just I'll just blur it. <laughs> It's artistic. It's fine. <laughs> but it's fun to discover. I still I love, love the magic of movies, even though I kind of know the secret a little bit. But yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's part of the magic of like finding out those things after watching it and going, oh my God, I had no idea. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, there were just cardboard cutouts in that scene of at the end. Or like of any, any boxing movies, it's either cardboard cutouts or inflatable people. Yeah. <laughs> And it's really creepy to think about. There's 30,000 people, people, people that they'll put up. in uh, an arena for a boxing movie. It, oh, it's so, <laughs> so do you guys still watch movies together? Oh, yeah. 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 Do, do you have the same kind of taste or one prefers another? Um, that's a good question. I feel yeah. like Netflix has kind of ruined it for us these days in terms of like, oh, we have separate profiles. So we don't even like <laughs> notice what the other person is watching. Too many um, platforms. Too many platforms. Um, well, as a child from the 80s, I was, you know, I 
fall asleep watching horror movies. Right. Because we just got hit over the head with horror movies in the 80s. I mean, I think it was like every week, two horror movies came out from like 83 to 88. We just got bombarded with them. Yeah. To the point where it's just it's the second nature. I'll just watch one, and it just feels like I'm back to being a kid again. Yeah. Which my wife is like, "What are you watching? Hearing chainsaws and screaming? What are you watching? <laughs> that are can't screaming be screaming and running around. That's soothing for you. You're nuts." Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel I kind of more or less came into film because of Justin. So okay. I feel like a lot of my like more artistic film taste has been informed but uh through his his eyes okay um you know outside of like oh i really enjoyed this movie growing up you know what i mean like growing up, right you almost felt like an insider yeah. you almost felt like an outsider just yeah. watching movies and now you're part of the process that you felt like they're part of the whole networking yeah. Really okay yeah. yeah yeah so but i think he introduced me to a lot of a lot more cinema than I initially ever kind of exposed myself to before meeting him. But do you, I mean, I, I personally do. Do you like watching movies by yourself? I, I do, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I can watch a movie virtually anywhere. He hates <laughs> when people talk through movies. I hate when people talk through movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the type of person who, like, once I've seen it once, I can put it on in the background and do something else and not wholly focus on a film, and he does not. No, I, I'm, I'm kind of him. I like yeah. to be sucked in and <laughs> be immense in this be world there. and not yeah. be interrupted. Yeah. Uh, I guess I won't watch a movie on a phone or an iPad, though. That's kind of still kind of tough to me because I grew up going to the drive-in, going to the, and I didn't like drive-ins because that was just a party. Yeah, it's, it's more of a party fun atmosphere. The movie is second to whatever's going on. I don't like going to theaters because it's like it sucks your out entire, all the yeah. Yeah, just, your entire yeah. attention is supposed to be there. I feel like in the last few years, I've every every experience at a theater that I always come away with. Ah, this is why I don't watch movies with people anymore. <laughs> Because there's always yeah. some sort of noise, uh, a, a parent not dealing with their kid that's crying, somebody eating their popcorn. I was very frightened of that when in, my wife and I went to see A Quiet Place because it was sold out, oh, right? God. It was sold out. And I go, somebody is going to, I know it's going to ruin it, and I'm going to start chucking popcorn. And the funny thing is they're all teenagers, and none of them made a noise. Incredible. They all sat there, and to the point where you couldn't chew popcorn, you had to dissolve it, or everybody'd be upset with you. Yeah. So I had to sit there and go, oh, "Hold it, you gotta dissolve <laughs> One popcorn." One kernel at a time. <laughs> yeah. And everybody was—it was fabulous. I think that I appreciate the movie more because everybody was like nice about it. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think a lot of film uh, watching experience totally depends on the audience that you're. Right. Seeing it with. Well, of course, if you go see Rocky Horror Picture Show, you you well, have to participate. Yeah. <laughs> you have to Thank participate. You. Or yes. you, you'll get stuff thrown at you for sitting and enjoying the movie. You're going to have to stand up and brave your arms for the windows. <laughs> I remember being very conscious of the showtime we picked when Phantom Thread first opened. Yes. Um, I was like, I don't want to deal with people, so we're going to go see a matinee. And You know, we were, did that the same. We saw it in the afternoon with, like, we're the only ones in there, and yeah. that was intentional. Yeah. Except our show had, like, Probably ninety or so folks over seventy, 
We were definitely the youngest. We were definitely the youngest by far. (laughs) And they were all trying to figure out this weird movie and talking to each other the whole time because they missed lines. Um, Um, That movie is tough to figure out. Right? I mean, it is. That was about the simplest. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the movie a handful of times now, and I think I've cried at different points. Just depending. And I, I think I found it funnier. The, the more times I rewatch it's definitely Phantom funny Fred. and I think yeah. people are uncomfortable with that because it it's posed as this like Oscar movie yeah. and you think it's supposed Drama. to be serious and um, just Paul as a person is not super serious he likes to joke a lot so that's that comes through in this yeah yeah, yeah. alright guys well we're, we're wrapping up here yeah. and there, there's a new feature that we're incorporating into the podcast um well, I've been working on with my co-host kind of doing things. It's something I always want to do, and you guys are kind of being my test experiments for the new thing. But um, if you were familiar, um, the actor studio was the questionnaire yes. at the end, if you remember. And uh, Dan and I and all of us wanted to do a version of that. So we came up, we, we, of course, we had to do edit. We all came up with the multiple questions, and we sliced it down to 10. Would you like to be the first people? Yes. Sure. Okay. All right. So we got at the end of here of our questionnaires. And so, who wants to go first? I'll ask both, but who wants to be the first person to answer? Ooh. I'll go. Okay. Okay, all right. So, here we go with the um, the questionnaire inspired by Bernard Pavol and James Lipton. Here's number one. What is, okay, Justin, what is your favorite aroma? Uh, bonfire. Jennifer? Um, petrichor. What is that? It is the smell of oxygen just after a rainfall. There's a word for that. There is. Oh, wow, that's a new. I love that. <laughs> all right, what is it called? Petrichor. Oh my God, you just say that all day. Okay. All right, Justin. What is your least favorite aroma? Oh, this is hard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my least favorite aroma. Um, over over done perfume that can like, be yeah yeah um my cat <laughs> my, my cat Poor charlie, charlie his right. breath smells like tuna constantly all right that does good yeah tuna breath tuna breath all right what is your favorite adjective mm. cantankerous i like that one Justin's I don't I don't know (laughs) no one's ever asked me that before (laughs) you could just mail in your answer if you want to come back I think I'll mail in my answer (laughs) right (laughs) because it's not going to work very well because the next one is what is your least favorite adjective oh gosh I got one I don't like I don't like likely I hate that one likely I don't like that adjective I don't think I use that often. It's probably because you don't like it. <laughs> it's probably because I don't like it. <laughs> Wait, likely? Yeah, it's my least favorite adjective. Likely, sh- it would... That's an adverb. It's an adverb. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Like. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Good. I don't like that one. Good okay. is, yeah, good it's is not a great yeah. adjective. All right. All right. What is your favorite animal? Um, I am a crazy cat lady, um, so I usually put myself out there as that, but I also really like owls. Oh, so owls, yeah. I have an owl collection. 
uh, little trinkets and whatnot. Well, this one's easy. Yeah. Cats. There you go. <laughs> because I'm 34 and I've had cats for 33 years of my life. There you go. Hey. Of course, what is your least favorite animal? Oh, I mean, do arachnids count as animals? <laughs> they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no spiders. Please and thank you. You and John Oliver are the same thing. Really? Yes. I love John Oliver. <laughs> he, he talked about that. He hates spiders. That's why he always references them in his show. <laughs> no, thank you. I think I see the value in all animals, so I'm not going <laughs> to answer that. <laughs> Good answer. What activity do you enjoy doing that others regard as a chore? Hmm. I'll let you go first. Well, that's a terrible response. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite activity that other others regard as a chore? Um. Well, quite literally, cleaning the house. Yeah. yeah. I love cleaning the house. There you go. Yeah. I really enjoy ironing. Um, it sounds really? weird. Like, I didn't know people still do it. Yeah, right? Some <laughs> yeah. people still do. This guy over here. Um, I enjoy ironing. I don't really like any other aspect of laundry, but I'll take yeah. I enjoy ironing. There's something very soothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is one thing you regard as a masterpiece? Van Gogh's is Starry that, Night. Oh, that is yeah. right. Doctor Who. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, oh, oh! I thought I thought it was like thing something that I've done that I consider a masterpiece. Oh no! Just uh, in uh, general, nothing. What is something you regard? Oh, don't yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what do I consider a masterpiece. Oh gosh. Yeah, Starry Night. I. Uh, yeah. Like, went to MoMA, didn't even realize I was in the correct room. I rounded a corner and, like, started That's where it's crying. there. It's at the... Um, Museum of Modern Art in New, New York. York City. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. like, around a corner. Yeah. It's on the back of, like, a wall. Um, just, uh, like, a partition, basically, in the middle of a room. And I rounded it and, like, saw it and just started crying. And people are, like, walking around me, staring awkwardly. Like It's the same thing at Chicago. Um the Nighthawks by Edward yeah. Hopper. It's just around a yeah. corner. It's like a little wall. Unassuming. Just, yeah. And it's like, there it is. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little wall on the corner and there it is hanging. Right next to Francis Bacon stuff. And it's like, that doesn't really work. That doesn't. That's an odd <laughs> juxtaposition. <Yeah. laughs> want to go back? You want to uh, mail your answer again? Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Um, uh, um. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I can't even name my favorite movies anymore because they've changed so often. But right. but Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia is my absolute favorite movie. That is an under radar film. Yeah, yeah. There's it's, like very spiritual undertones to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That soundtrack yeah. is like in my regular rotation. Oh, yeah, just yeah, of John Bryan, any yeah. any music. Man, I completely forgot about that movie until you brought it up. Oh God. Yeah. I love that movie. That movie should went on six hours. You're right. It could have. It could although, have went on although, for six hours. Although more more recently, I think a year ago, when Phantom Thread came out, Paul was like, "Yeah, it should have been way shorter than three hours and eight minutes." <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have two left. So, what is one thing that inspires your creativity? Hmm. You go. You- I I think I've already said this with the writing uh, answer, but. But the, just the atmosphere of the North Shore sure. definitely inspires me. 
I think seeing other people's work and like yeah well that's just right my room the studio's filled with yeah that's yeah other people's. i agree yeah i think just yeah seeing other uh other works and getting inspired by those all right and lastly it's kind of help it's going to be easy for you justin what's one place in minnesota you love <laughs> oh, a knife river there. Oh, gosh. Don't oh, gosh. you know? Yeah, up there in, uh, in Knife River. All right. Well, guys, thanks for coming on. This Thank has been you. fun. This, this has been, been great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. And it is not over till the guest says it's over. Oh, is it over? Is it over, though?